precious Father, we give you thanks and praise. Thank you that you have spoken again and again. You are not a God that speaks unnecessarily. You speak because there is something ahead. There is something already on ground because you have your purposes which you bring forth through us. Father, we thank you. Thank you for speaking. Lord, we open our eyes. Lord, we ask for the application of I serve upon us. We ask for the blood upon our ears, upon our thumbs, and upon our great toes, that we will hear, that we will do, that we will go forth. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. I thank God for the privilege of being here, and I thank my brother and our Father in the Lord, Venerable Professor Samike, and my brethren priests for the honor. Today, we are continuing in our theme, You Are the Light of the World, by considering Jesus' life, the light to all men. The life in Jesus, the light to all men. Amen. We've read it, but let's read again John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Can we read it together? Go. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Say it again. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So when God says you are the light of the world, it is that life of Jesus expressing through you that is the light. Okay? In January 1, God said, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. Now, that light which is come is that life of Jesus. So, shining means living the life of Jesus Christ in today's world. What did we say? Shining means living, expressing, manifesting the life of Jesus in today's world. Can we say it together? Shining means living, expressing, manifesting the life of Jesus in today's world. One more time. Shining means living, expressing, manifesting the life of Jesus in today's world. Yeah. So, that life of Jesus which is to be lived through each one of us is that same response to matters. The same love or abhorrence which we saw in the Lord Jesus Christ when he walked on earth. That's the same that has to manifest through you, manifest through me. And it doesn't change with generations. It doesn't change because we are now in the 21st century with 5G and 
the global village. It doesn't change with that at all. No. It doesn't change with country. It doesn't change with climate. It doesn't change with technology. Neither does it change with economy. In Hebrews 13.8, the scripture says categorically, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in Jude, the scripture says, earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. No updates, no additions. Once for all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And with the Lord, there is no variableness or shadow of turning. So, when we say, arise, shine, for your light has come, again, we are saying it is that life of Jesus that we are reflecting which makes us to shine. Two things must manifest when we are talking about a Christian shining. Two things. Skill and character. Can we say skill and character? I have to manifest in my workplace as an excellent doctor. If you come to my area of specialization, it's important that you get excellence, not mediocrity, not apologies for complications coming up and down. You need to get it. If I come to your table as a teacher of mathematics, I expect you to be able to handle it with a grasp to make it easy for the person who is terrified of maths to do well. Teachers are so important. I, I loved my music teacher and the way she handled me when I failed the first music test made me not just to love music, I never failed it again. All true. Hallelujah. Now, skill is not enough. When you come to my table and you get excellent service, but haughtiness, arrogance, impatience, short temper. When you come to someone who is an excellent teacher and there is need for, you know, some extra handouts which are not necessarily recommended, but just so as to fill up my own economy, I'm yet to shine. So, Skill must be there, but there must be that skill manifesting through the lifestyle of Jesus. Amen? When Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, he went ahead to give the taste of that salt and the luminosity of that light on the Sermon of the Mount. Hallelujah. So, why is it the life of a person, that person, Jesus Christ, why is it that life that is the light? Let's get to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Pay attention to what the scripture says there. Are we there? 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, please be looking at your Bible. We're going to ask a few questions. Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the word of God. Why are we saying the life of a person, this person, Jesus? From where we read, how many witnesses do we have? One, two, or many? We have many. Correct. Now, we have a great cloud, many witnesses. But who do we look to? All that cloud or one person? One person. Many witnesses, but we're looking onto one person, Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said, follow me, a person, not a creed, not a church, not Anglicanism, not Pentecostalism, not Scripture Union. Not a fellowship. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Certainly not Roman Catholicism. You see, Jesus didn't say follow us. He said, follow me. Not him and some others. I want us to be reminded that we have God-ordained, sincere, called Christian leaders who sometimes err. And we'll briefly look at the error of Peter so as to help us to see that when we are talking about shining, we must revert our attention on one life and one life alone. And look at other lives only to the measure that they conform to that one life. Galatians chapter 2, we'll read from verse 11 to 13. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. In Acts chapter 15, we saw the pivotal role Peter played in the debate about the Gentiles, and whether they should be circumcised. He stood up and said, God used me first to preach to the Gentiles. After his testimony, people kept quiet, and God had his way. Without doubt, Peter was called, sincere, 
and effective in that Acts chapter 15. But we see him when he moved to Antioch, conducting himself out of step with the gospel. And Barnabas, who was an apostle, being moved out and falling out of step too with the gospel. Barnabas, who had insisted on the gospel of grace in Jerusalem, was led astray. So, no matter how reputable of a long and meritorious track record a Christian is, Reverend Kanonona has been a Christian for donkey years. And we can see from the things he has done, said, that he is a trustworthy believer. Maybe, but you don't look unto Reverend Kanonona. You look to who? Jesus. Hallelujah. Imitate a leader only to the measure that that leader imitates Christ. No more, no less. Whether a canon, bishop, general overseer, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And in Hebrews 13 verse 7, the scripture says, Obey your leaders considering the outcome of their faith, imitate their faith. When you have considered the outcome of a man's life, then you can imitate his faith. Because you have seen that the outcome has been holy, righteous. There are some people who, they start out, we hear a lot about them, but before 30 years is over, we've seen they've been married in adultery, married in money problems. Certainly you must avoid imitating the things in that person's life that brought him or her to that way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, what was and what is the life of Christ that is the light which Peter lived for and sadly on one or two occasions we saw him stumble which you and I must manifest continually that's what the Lord has said to us in the words of prophecy what's that life well that's the subject of what we're going to be learning and explaining all life long but listen to what God will have for us today. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This, to my understanding, is the, is the cornerstone, the expression, the, the, the atom, the cell, that which is the smallest indivisible part when you are talking about the life of Christ. Amen? Aha. Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5 to 9. Have this mind among yourselves. Because as we see what the life of Christ is, we see what we will have to translate to my house, my office, my ministry, my relationships, my interactions. 
It's as we see this that we say, okay, this is how I do it. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Jesus did not count being God's form something to be grasped, but emptied himself, submitted to the will of the Father. I thought I had dusted the topic when the Holy Spirit said to me, He did it with joy. Jesus not only obeyed fully and exactly the will of God, He did it how? With joy. He did it how? With joy. So when I am doing the things that the Bible has said reluctantly, grudgingly, Am I shining the life of Jesus? Not at all. Psalm 40. We'll read from verse 6 to 8. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Hallelujah. So let's make that confession because that's what we are going to do. We're going to confess what we read in that past. Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written... I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Say it like you really mean it. Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. There's a book written about you, if you're not aware. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, Saved to do good works which God had prepared beforehand for you to do. So this scripture applies very, very, very much to you. Hallelujah. Now, what characterizes the life of Jesus Christ? Submission. Submission to authority. Priests, submit to your supervisors and to those who God has put in authority over you. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Servants, civil and otherwise. 
Obey your masters as unto the Lord. Submission is the kernel, the hard core in the Lord Jesus' life. And do you know, the pastoral epistles all emphasize it, whether it be Paul or Peter. And when we read the writing of Jude about those who turn the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into lasciviousness, one basic characteristic of such evil people is that they despise authority. Can't be submissive, rebellious. If I am rebellious, I am not like Christ. Hallelujah. And you know, that submission is done without complaining or arguing. Hallelujah. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God, shining as lights in the midst of a warped and perverse generation. Colossians 3 verse 17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Submission to authority, not clinging to our rights. You know, we live in an unequal society. Terms and conditions of business differ. A nurse in public service does not earn the same as a nurse in private practice, though the requirements of skill are identical. Even the hours of work are not the same. The privileges of nights off of public holidays are not exactly the same. Ah, and even the nurses in public service, those that are in the state, are not exactly the same thing as those that are in the federal. And even those that are in the state, if you are in the teaching hospital, it's not exactly the same as if you are not. So let's fight for our rights. No. That's the mistake. No. That's the mistake. Frequently, terms of business and public and private employment are unfair. They're not fair. You don't need to be a lawyer to recognize the injustice of it. Blatantly unjust, without equivocation. But how did Jesus handle injustice? How did Jesus handle unfair taxation? 
Sometimes you see things that come forth from the government and you say, this is blatant, unfair. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pay it. This is unfair. Matthew chapter 17. Are we there? Let's read from verse 24. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, From others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up, and when you open his mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Hallelujah. If somebody compels you to go one mile, go with him. How many? Two. You see Jesus fulfilling that. They say to him, you don't pay the tax. He said, no problem. I'll pay for myself. I'll pay for you as well. He demonstrated to Peter that that was an unfair, unnecessary, perhaps I might even use the word, illegitimate tax. God will give you a miracle when you are willing to live the life of Christ unjustly. This was an unjust thing. This was an economic requirement. But Jesus was willing to do it because that's the life of Christ. And God said, no problem. I'll give you a miracle so that you can live that life. Yes, your money does not reach to pay that unnecessary tax. But say, Lord, you that gave Jesus and Peter a miracle so that the life of Christ will be manifest. Give me a miracle in this business to pay this amount, though unjust, in Jesus' name. All right, we'll have a lot more quietness as we get on. And you can throw me out after this. Sorry, the message is recorded. And the Holy Spirit will keep reminding you of what he says. Hallelujah. 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 What characterizes the life of Jesus Christ? Submission. Submission to authority. Not clinging to rights. That's the problem we are facing in the southeast. That's the problem we are facing in the civil service. That's the problem we are facing in the homes. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7 to 9. God opened my eyes to this and I chilled. Last year, for some periods, I had internal struggles over what I considered my rights and some of the way I was being handled. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, from verse 7 to 9. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. 
because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not we did not have that right, but to give yourselves, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. He that fights for his rights cannot present an example to imitate. Write it down. She that fights for her rights cannot present an example to imitate. It is a right, God-given right, that he that preaches the gospel will live by the gospel. Not a government fiat, God-given right. Yet, so as to be able to present an example to the believers, they waived that right and worked with their own hands. So rights are rights, inalienable. But like Jesus, we can take our rights and put them on the shelf and pick up our responsibilities and put them upon us. Hallelujah. 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 God is the guarantor of your rights and your life. When Jesus had submitted himself, at the end, at the name of Jesus, how many knees bow? In heaven alone? In heaven and earth? But also under the earth? Uh, so we're on the issue of the life of Christ in an unequal and an unjust society and in a working environment. You know, though Christianity abhors slavery, Jesus and the apostles never taught people to rise up against their masters. And if they come after you, the Holy Ghost fire and the angels will strike them down. How dare them enslave my people? No. The Bible said, love and obey your masters. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible teaches. Titus chapter 3 from verse 1 to 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people, high, low, middle. Jesus taught us that we must turn the other cheek and we must continue turning the cheek. Hallelujah. In 1 Peter chapter 2, you see the lifestyle of Christ, how it should be manifested in society. Even if you are not a slave, he said, obey the emperor and the governors as those sent by him. 
there was no born again Christian emperor in the time of Peter. They were despots desiring to be worshipped as gods. And this is what the Bible said. Hallelujah. Even first Peter chapter two verse eighteen. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the what? Hey, look at the Bible. But also to the what? Look at the Bible. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the the harsh, the unjust. If he treats me fine, if he, if he respects himself, I will respect him. Fa, fa, fa. Foul. That's not Christianity. That is not Christianity at all. Be submissive to the ones that God has put under you, uh, put over you. To the ones that are nice, to the ones that are sensitive, as well as to the ones that are harsh. And English Standard Version says to the ones that are unjust. Hallelujah. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Ay, 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 ay. Let's look at that in a few versions. Amen. I want us to understand that this is the life of Christ which we must live and manifest. Otherwise, we are not shining as lights. Amen? Yeah. So, servants, be subject to your masters, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Another translation says, but also to the froward. Easy to read version says, you should obey the masters who are good and kind. You should also obey the ones who are bad. Now that my master is bad. That's not an excuse for you to nupola isi. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Literal translation, not only to those good and forbearing, but to the ones that are perverse. So are we going to live the life of Christ? Or are we going to live the life of modernity? Rights and privileges. Remember, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and where? Even when you know better than them, in your own mind. You know, Jesus, after asking Mary when he was 12 years old, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know I should be about my father's business? 
The Bible says he was obedient unto them, both Mary and Joseph. Eh, Dr. Honor. So if Obna, my superior Simkame, just Maya, Mordima, Mordinjo, no. That's not what we are saying. No. No. The submission that Christ did was unto God and then to men by the will of God. Ephesians 5 2 says, Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to who? God. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So my wife should not give herself to me unconditionally. She should give herself unto God and then to me according to the will of God. So if I at any time make any demand from my wife that God says, mm-mm, to she said, my honey, if any nisi kame, nge me, kaman kanwa, onye mwe magahe, ekwe. Remember Peter and the apostles said, judge for yourselves whether it is better to obey God rather than men. But as for us, we cannot but speak or teach the things we have heard. Amen. Remember, there was a popular demand for Jesus in Luke chapter 4 to remain in where Peter's mother-in-law had been healed and a lot of people had been healed. But he said no. He had prayed. He said no. I need to go to other places. That's the reason why I was called. The same Lord Jesus in Sychar stayed two days on request with the people of the city. Amen. So it is not giving yourself to people for whatever they want to use you, but giving yourself to God. I love my job, but I mustn't give myself to my job unconditionally. I give myself to God and then the workings of that job according to the plan and purpose of God. Amen. I'm in love with this person, but I dare not give myself to this person anyhow. I give myself as a sacrifice to God. So if I'm in love with the person, and the person is not born again, it cannot even come to me to start praying whether we should be married, because that is clearly outside the will of God. Hello, hello, remember the Lord Jesus was manifesting love in John chapter 13, having loved his own, he loved them to the end and he now wanted to wash their feet. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet, he explained to Peter, Peter said, alright, not just my feet but my hands and my Head. Jesus said, okay, fine, I'll wash your hands and your head as well. What did he say? No, that's not necessary. So, remember that 
in submitting to authority, you submit yourself first to who? To God. And then to all those whom God has put you under according to the will of God. Jesus used to heal on the Sabbath day. And Jesus wanted people to come to faith. John 5.16, this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. In Luke 13 verse 14, the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which to walk. Come on those days and be healed. Not on the Sabbath day. Someone would have said to Jesus, chill now. You have noted by the Holy Spirit the person that needs to be healed. This controversy is not necessary. Just beckon to the person to come on another day and the unction will be there to heal the person. Jesus said no. The Holy Spirit is asking me to do this now. And even though that was one of the chief reasons they were persecuting him, he didn't stop. Hello? Enough about explaining authority. How does Jesus see men? When there is a crowd around Jesus, what does he see? When in my office I see plenty of people coming, what do I see? Hi! I'm about to go from this, my place of work. They have come to disturb me. What do I see? Ah! This one looks like Henia. I can get a hundred thousand from there. What do you see? Mark, Matthew 9, 36 and 37. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest... When he saw the crowds, what did he see? The harvests. When he saw the crowds harassed and helpless, what did he see? The harvests. When he saw people coming to him, what did Jesus see? The harvests. When people come to you in your workplace, see the harvests. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I had the privilege of seeing some of my patients during ward round. I saw, as many of them do, one of them with a Bible. So asked her to read a certain portion of the Bible. And God forgive me, I forgot. Came back on another ward round, thought it was one patient. Said, no, it wasn't you. It wasn't me you gave the passage to said, okay, is it you? He said, yes. Uh-huh. And she said to me, I have been waiting for you to come and explain it. I have not understood what I read. I thank God that the privilege hadn't passed. Then on the word round, we explained the scriptures. She gave her life to Christ. Had the privilege of going to ICU, see another patient, had burn injuries that I knew, unless God worked a miracle, person was going to die but by the time I was talking with the patient patient was not able to comprehend very well what I was saying wasn't responsive as I stepped the door to leave she died 
thank God for CMS. He was my senior registrar then. He said, Chief, I had talked to her about Jesus. We had prayed before you arrived. I said, thank you, Jesus. CMS, God bless you. Same kind of a thing with another person. Had some issues. I was leaving, so I said to one of my senior residents, not CMS this time, give him the word and left. I didn't know. He gave him the word as the patient was about to leave. He died. I was okay. We had done the best we could and the word had come. Because God is telling me again and again, I'm bringing these people to you so that they will have encounter with the Lord. So even those who have cleft deformities, God has made me to know, never be too busy that they will not understand the message. Sometimes I get angry, irritable. These anesthesia people, they're wasting time. I want to do this surgery. And the Holy Spirit will say, this delay is so that you will have time to tell them the word of God. When I see people come to me, can we say that? I see the harvest. John chapter 1 verse 41 and 42, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. Simon refers to a reed shaken with the wind sometimes. Cephas refers to a pebble, a stone, perhaps even a rock, stable. When Jesus sees you, he sees beyond your present condition and relationship to what God intends for you to be. You may see your house girl and see her unstable, misbehaving, riotous. See her for what God has intended her to be. And don't say to her, Say to her, When you see people, when you see your sons, when you see your daughters, when you see your subordinates, when you see those that are above you that are not doing well, who told you that they are unable and incapable of repenting? Don't see them just as they are now or as they have been over time. See them as God has planned for them to be. In this first encounter of Jesus with Peter, as recorded by John, Jesus said, you are Simon. You will be Cephas. I see people 
not as they are only, but as God wants them to be. He saw Peter as he could be, as he would be. Don't see people just as they are, weak, unstable. This girl, she keeps messing up. No. See them as they should be. Hallelujah. When you see people coming to you, see them as what? Harvest. Don't see them as bread to eat. Hallelujah. So as we begin to round up, can the light of Jesus shine in social activism? Have we kicked out and ruled out social activism by these words? The light of Jesus can. Jesus Christ points out what is wrong, but then commits himself to God who judges righteously. John 18 verse 22, when he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand saying, is this how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? After that, did Jesus call a riot? After that, did Jesus say, this high priest compound until a weapon? Eh? Hallelujah. First Peter 2.22 he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to God who judges righteously. So it's all right to write and inform the government, inform politely, firmly, those that are your employers, Inform those who need to know and should know that what they have done or are doing is wrong. Hey, remember the seven woes. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees. Eh? One day I read that Jesus did that after he had chopped lunch in their house. So social activism is in order when it is done the Jesus way. After Jesus pointed out what was wrong, he did not now threaten them. Thunder will fire you. So you also do not threaten. After pointing out what is wrong, commit yourself like Jesus to God who judges righteously. Commit yourself to God. Jacob said, you know how I served your father with all my might, and he has changed my wages ten times. He has cheated me, but God did not allow him to harm me. Oh, child of God, you can be cheated, but you can never be harmed. I said, child of God, you can be cheated, but you can never be harmed in Jesus' name. And if you insist I cannot be cheated then you are not walking in the same faith as Jacob. After this, you can throw me away. Hallelujah. 
And this passage also tells us when it is okay for a child of God to tell lies. That time is never. Because the Bible says that Jesus told no lie. You remember that they looked for witnesses to hang Jesus. And they found none. And in desperation, the high priest said, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? If Jesus said, I don't know. Jesus said, thou hast said. He tore his robe said, what need do we have for witnesses? You have heard in yourselves. To save his life, he did not tell a lie. Walk in the life of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of unrighteousness, but rather reprove them. It is this life that shines in the darkness. It is this life that the world cannot understand. It is this life that the world cannot overcome. What will happen? Lift Jesus higher. Lift Jesus higher. Lift him up for the world to see. For he says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me this life will draw men to the lord jesus i have a priest in the hospital chaplaincy who works in unth several several years ago working in the accident and emergency of unth at christmas time his colleague gave him a christmas card and in it was written if the way you walk is what it means to be born again i too want to be born again he had not as yet spoken the message that the life through his work was already ministering. It is this life that makes atheists, Muslims, enemies have coals of fire on their head and say, what manner of faith is this? But my friends, you cannot have this life unless you believe God. Amen? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. This is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. You can only live this life when you are fully assured of the love, control, plan, and justice of God. That's the only time you can live this life. See what Ephesians 6, 7, and 8 says. That's my last scripture to read. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he be born or free. It doesn't matter the terms and conditions of my employment and of my service once I'm doing it under God, taught by God, in the way God wants, God, not Buhari, God, not my employer, God 
not even those that have been put over me will reward me in his own way, in his own time, and it is reserved for me. Let us pray. Can you take off your shoes because you are stepping on holy ground? You can't put on shoes and enter holy ground. God will tell you, don't come nearer. You can't put up your defenses and your protection. God himself is your protection. God himself is your defense. You want to wear shoes and enter holy ground, God will say, stop where you are. You want to have that intimate relationship with God, take off your shoes, take off your self-protection. Pour yourself before the Lord. Give yourself unreservedly to God. Look only to what God is expecting from you. God is the guarantor of the things that you are expecting that you should get. Focus on Him. Tell Him that you believe Him. That whatever good you do as a civil servant, whatever good you do as a wife, whatever good you do as a subordinate, God will reward you. It doesn't matter whether you are noticed or unnoticed. It doesn't matter whether your name is there by man or not. It doesn't matter. What matters is, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will. Take off your shoes. In 2022, you must enter and stay on holy ground. Take off your shoes. And you can see that you are not a Christian. You like to do good things. But this kind of a life riles you. How can you not fight for your rights? I invite you. You who have seen that you are a good good person in your own eyes but you are different from what Jesus is and represents and you want the power to live his life I invite you to please stand up please stand up we will pray with you it takes power to live this life it's not information only it takes power I invite you to stand up so that as you ask Jesus to come in, the Holy Spirit will step in with power. So are there people who desire to give their lives to Jesus at this time? Just say this prayer after me wherever you are. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Because of the life that you have in you. The life that is able to shine as light. Have mercy on me. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I cannot help myself. Forgive me. Send your Holy Spirit to live in me and to guide me. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, Father, we give you thanks for anyone here who has given his life to you at this point in time, desiring to walk even as light, reflecting the life of Jesus himself. Thank you, Lord, as you continually help him or her to your praise and glory. 
And for all of us, we thank you. Because you have opened our eyes and we indeed have seen that the harvest is plenty and ripe. Help us to shine as light and to draw men even unto the fold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.